Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. It's Jane Atkinson here, and today we're talking about writing. Do you need to write your first book? Or your next book. Well, our special guest, Allie Plater, has written 40 books. Oh my goodness, Allie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> that is a whole lot of books. Uh, and you have a methodology called the Chunky Method that's really helpful in terms of plotting out not only your next book, but really any creative project, correct? Correct. It works for all kinds of um, creativity. I actually work with writers as well as speakers, um, anyone who needs to write as part of their career. I also have been working with visual artists and lots of other kinds of creativity. So the great thing about the Chunky Method is it, it doesn't matter what kind of words you're writing. It works for everybody. Awesome. Well, tell people a little bit about your background and what these 40 books have uh, looked like for you, kind of where you've come from, because now you're really a part of our world of the speaking industry, correct? I really do have a foot in both camps. Um, And that starts from I started out as a theater major. I started out as a performer and ended up as as a fiction writer through a a long and convoluted series of events that we won't go into here, but I did most of my professional work in fiction writing, and I still do produce four novels a year. I work in category fiction, which are those little books in the grocery stores. Uh, so there's a there's a real volume. You need to produce a certain amount of those books. So the expectation is about four a year, and that's what I do. Four um, and year. I realized that the systems and the ways that I was getting that done applied to speakers as well. And so I started talking to speakers about how I get all the writing done. And it worked out perfectly. People were saying, oh, I need to do that. How did you do that? Teach me to do that. That is such good information, and it's so timely for me because I'm in the throes of developing the Wealthy Speaker School, and I think the Chunky Method is going to help me kind of figure out how I'm going to map out the time. So let's just give an overview of what the Chunky Method is, and then we'll dive in and we'll go into some detail. The Chunky Method is basically taking time um, and project management tactics and applying it to your creative process. And for speakers, that's really important because the, the need for content from speakers has become paramount. Right. Everybody's telling you, you need a book or you need a, a brochure or a handout or, or, or a blog. You've got to be producing content. And it really is a different kind of energy uh, and it's a different skill set. So you need to be able to get both done during the course of your day. The Chunky Method is based on one basic idea, which is that every person, their creativity has what I call a chunk. Okay. And a chunk is how much creativity, in this case writing, can you do before you sort of run out of steam? Mm -hmm. Everybody's chunk is different and everybody's chunk is unique. And if you can figure that out, then you know that's the sort of building block that you use to get it done. You're not writing more than your own personal style allows, which burns you out really fast. Right. Um, you're not writing less so that you're maximizing 
So once you figure out that chunk, then you use that data to build a schedule and a, and a work style to make sure that that writing gets done in amongst all the other things that speakers have to do. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we're going to cover kind of three steps to the chunky method. And the first one is kind of talking about what you just mentioned about your speed. Not everybody could go away for a week and write a book and have it be done or go away for two weeks or whatever. Everybody needs a little bit different. Say more about that. That actually falls right into what I call your chunky style. Okay. Which is, are you a big chunk writer or a little chunk writer? Right. Big chunk writers need to do exactly, or they like to do exactly what you just described. They mm-hmm. go away for the weekend. They book a hotel room for four days. They pound out huge parts of their book all at once. Yeah. And that's great, but not everybody works that way. Sure. Other people are what I call little chunk writers, which yeah. is they work on a smaller sort of creative battery. Mm-hmm. Um, And so you've got to be able to schedule for that. The big chunk writers, you can gun and pull all-nighters to meet your deadline. Little chunk writers, you can't really do that and get away with it and still get quality work. Right. What what one are you? I am definitely a little chunk writer. (laughs) I'm a little chunk writer, too, because uh, having done – I'm kind of supposed to be doing my fourth book, but I'm doing the school instead. But um, having done three before, I really had to say, okay, at about the three to four hour mark, I'm tapped out. I don't really have any more quality good to put on the paper at that three and a half hour mark. That's, that's it for my brain. And that's really how I am even in my daily work schedule. If I try to coach seven people in a day, they're not good. the seventh person is not going to get the best of me. That's true. The chunky method or the chunk really can apply to all kinds of work. Yes. Um, but the thing that I like to tell writers to do is to try and not to think in terms of hours because it's much more productive to think in terms of how many words you actually produce. It's, sort of, it's a tiny little shift, but it gets your mind thinking about how many words do I actually get down on the page? How, um, and it may take one person an hour to do 500 words. It may take another person three hours to do 500 words. Right. So one of the first shifts that I do with, um, with people that I work with is shift away from hours or I have to write four pages. Right. And go to word count because it's much more flexible. And bi- um, big chunk writers tend to be about a thousand words and above in a single sitting. Okay. Little chunk writers tend to be a thousand words and below. If you are not writing as your primary, um, your primary, how you spend your day. Right. Um, if you're a full-time writer, that mark is a little higher, more like 2000. But for most people, the thousand mark People under 1,000 tend to be little chunk writers. People over 1,000 tend to be big chunk writers. And there's behaviors and considerations and planning tools that are different for each of those styles. Wow. That is so interesting. And so um, do you find that – this is kind of – I'm going down a little bit of a squirrel path here, so apologies in advance. Do you find that a lot of people can't get started because they lack clarity about the project to begin with? What I find is, more often is they can't get started because they're looking at the enormity of the whole project and it's daunting. Yes. Whereas if you, I've got to write the whole book or I've got right. to write a month's worth of blogs. Um, right. But if you 
if you figure out what your chunk is, then you know the next thing you need to do is your chunk and however many days a week you've discovered from your whatever schedule you want. Mm -hmm. um, and that breaks it down. And because your chunk, you've created it from your actual speed, you're like, I, I can do this. I know I can do Perfect. this because it's my chunk. And you just have to do that piece next. And often that is the sort of stepping stone or toehold that gets people off and running and you start building momentum each time you make your chunk it makes it easier to do the next one because yes. you know you've done it uh, and that's the real magic of it actually that really gets people off that oh, this is such a huge project yeah. i can't figure out how to make it work yeah and i'm looking i'm staring at the school and i'm looking at 40 modules okay i need to record 40 modules and every time i think of it in that yeah. term it is overwhelming but guess what i only need to record the first module you know on day one and get that done that might only be a 15 or 20 minute project because i've already kind of mapped things out and i think when you break things down you know you're trying to build a house but when you start with one brick it gets a little bit easier, doesn't it? And most um, project managers or time management people know that, but we forget that you can apply that to your creative process just as easily as uh, my husband's an engineer and he's always dumbfounded that uh, we have to think about it in this way. Creative people have to be sort of coached how to do this, but right. it's because we think it doesn't apply to the creative process and it absolutely does. Okay. All right. So let's move on to step two. And this is kind of identifying, are you a big chunk or are you a small chunk? What does that mean? Well, again, it's, it's the starting is the size of your chunk mm -hmm. uh, because big chunk writers they can't, um, they need to put, a, put aside a lot of time. Mm -hmm. They need to be in down into that project for long periods of time. They don't want to be interrupted. They need to make sure a lot of just little considerations, like a big chunk writer really has to have or feels really comfortable with their own office. Whereas a little chunk writer, we can do it in Starbucks or on the plane. <laughs> and I really believe in going to like a third spot because my office is too distracting. Exactly. But a big chunk writer could do it in their office? They probably prefer to do it in their office. And <laughs> oh, they care impressive. about, you know, what their desk is like and what's on the walls. They tend to be very environment driven, what, whether or not they can work in silence or with music. Um, those kinds of things. Big chunk writers need to feel like they're in a space that's conducive to their process. And they need to put aside large chunks of time, which takes a whole lot more planning. Right. And, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I was okay. working with a writer who um, was also a full-time attorney and he was writing his first thriller. And he was a big chunk writer. And so he could only really write on the weekends. Right. But we figured out that he also had some little chunk qualities. And so we worked a schedule where he would take giant index cards, like the big ones, the not the little ones, but the larger ones. Yes. And he would write an index card from his book in one chunk on the train into work on the way in and then another one on the way out. Oh. And that he used little chunk qualities to create a big chunk so that when he started writing on Saturday, he could hit the ground running. And Sometimes when I work with speakers, it's that kind of thing. I've worked yes. with people who have to do blogs. Mm -hmm. And for a big chunk writer, sometimes you think, oh, it's a blog. It's 800 words. I'll just write one a day. Right. Well, if you're a big chunk writer, that's not how you work. What you need to do is take Batch. a Friday and write eight of them. Right. Batch them up. But those yes. kinds of considerations, those kinds of tweaks that 
keep you working at your at your at the ideal speed and the ideal style and the ideal mm-hmm. place for how your brain works. That's really interesting. I take about uh, 30 minutes usually to do my initial blog post. And 30 minutes is a beautiful thing. Like if it went to an hour, fine. But if it went to two hours, I would be thinking there's something wrong with this blog. Like I, I, I don't know, I would get frustrated. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really interesting. Okay, so step three, we have choices for people. Are they mar- a marlin? Or a dory. Yeah. Do I have that right? You do. <laughs> you know, it's we've tried to come up with uh, two or three other metaphors, and nothing works as well as Marlin and Dory. Most okay. people understand the um, the characters from Finding Nemo. Right. In that Marlin was a linear thinker. He was very focused. <clears throat> he had one goal in the entire movie, and that was to find Nemo. And everything else was a distraction, mm. and everything else was an annoyance and an interruption. He needed to work one way. You know, I need to do A, then I need to do B. Do not ask me to do F if I haven't done D and E first. (laughs) Um, Those tend to be Marlins. That's a good thing, and you can work within that. Dories, however, are tend to be sort of more, I need variety. I need to be sitting, you know, doing something that's physically active for part of my day, and then I need to be sitting down. Uh, And one's not better than the other. I think it's really important to just – to make that distinction that one yes. is not like more serious or more dedicated. Right. <laughs> it's a style. And the way that plays out is how your chunk goes in your day. If mm-hmm. you, I, I'm usually working on about four books at a time. And really? so chunk for each of those books. Wow. I am not a, I'm not a, a Marlin and I'm not a big chunk writer. So I know that I need to sort of pepper those in throughout my day with other tasks that will, that are just as productive, but feels like, feel like breaks for my productivity. So mm. I will do my chunk literally. That's what I did before I talked to you. I got my chunk for, chunk for book one done. Uh, and then I do something like this where it's, it's visual or it's physical uh, and it, it's a sort of, you know, wash for my brain to start over again. And then the next chunk that I do will be later in the day and it will be a more thought process. It's probably a nonfiction piece or whatever. But if you can take those dynamics and build how you handle your to-do list for the day, Mm -hmm. you will get so much more done because you're working with how your creativity naturally shows up. Right. You're do, it's happening organically rather than you trying to plug a square peg into a round hole. You're, you're trying to do something that just doesn't suit your style, right? How many big chunkers do you see trying to work in small or vice versa? That's probably common in your coaching, right? Yeah, one of my favorite comments was the woman who said, I'm just a big chunk girl forced to live in a little chunk world. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, sometimes there are external factors that make it more difficult. And I think that's true for speakers because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of other pulls on our time. We have to protect our energy for when we're speaking, for when we're connecting with audiences. Um, And so it's, it's, you got to fold it all together. And I think it's not like there's some silver bullet that the chunky method is handing you. It's taking a look at how your brain works and crafting your day and your to-do, le- to-do schedule and your workload based on that. Right. So that you're never working out of burnout or, or low energy or you're forcing more writing than your brain really is going to come up with because right. n- nobody wins. You don't get good content. You burn yourself out and then you're grumpy for the next task that you have to do. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have clients who say, I just cannot write on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And I find that going into anywhere that's noisy and putting on a pair of headphones, like a Starbucks or a bookstore or something like that, I find that really conducive to writing. So I, I just, everybody's just got their own style and their own ability to do, you know, you have to find what's perfect for you. Yeah. And, and sort of wield it to your advantage. But mm-hmm. yes, there are a lot of, for big chunk people, they really need to be um, in a space. And sometimes either they, they try to force it, you know, I'm going to be like that guy on the plane next to me or, right. or they don't, they don't honor that need of space and they're, they don't have an office or they're trying to work in some place um, and travel adds another, there are chunky method writers who can do really well on the road mm-hmm. and chunky method writers who just can't. And then, you know, you, you're better, you're so much better off owning up to that and planning for what you know is your best. Right. Work do other do. things. Yes, yeah. for sure. That's then really try to be good. somebody else. Okay. So those are our kind of three big chunks of the steps. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, why, let's say someone's trying to get off the mark with their first book and they're struggling to kind of get there. Why, why would somebody want to just really be motivated to do that? What do you think the benefits are for someone to have that intellectual property in their hand? <sighs> There's so much that a book for do, can do for you as a speaker. Um, it, it serves as a lasting impression of the lessons that you're trying to do. I mean, you, the book stays on somebody's shelf. And if you've done it right, they're going back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be found on Amazon or any other places that books are is, is a form of, of PR. It's a, yep. You can get into really, really deep subjects and really impact somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I find a lot of people come and ask me to speak or coach because they've read the chunky method. Right. And there's a, let's face it, there's a certain amount of expertise mm-hmm. that is inferred when you're, when you can say you've got a book. It raises um, your status. It really and, does. and in some cases raises your fee directly. Yeah. Um, let's talk pro or con in terms of ghostwriters or co-authors or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have friends who are ghostwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's, um, it's a bad thing at all, but I am always really firmly of the belief that you are the best person to give your message. Right. Um, and, and we're all natural, as speakers, we're all natural communicators to begin with. Right. But the idea, and I, I have seen people who say, just have somebody transcribe your last, you know, your last presentation. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that works because we don't speak the way we read. Right. And I've read content, I'll just leave it at that, that sounds exactly like they transcribed a presentation. And it doesn't read like a book. It reads like a transcript. Right. So I really feel that... Um, that you owe it to yourself as a speaker. I get it that it might not work, that you might end up having to do for a ghostwriter, but I really truly believe that if you want the best quality content, mm-hmm. it needs to come from you and it needs to, you know, you need to not be sort of squeezing it out of yourself like a frosting tube. You need to be working <laughs> at it in a way that makes sense that you're going to bring energy to it because you can tell, you can tell when there's energy behind the words and when they've sort of been just banged out. So squeezing it out of yourself like a frosting tube, ladies and gentlemen, Ali Ali Plater 
uh, writer. This is exactly the kind of language that comes out of someone who is actually creative for a living. I love it. (laughs) I don't think I've ever quite put it quite like that before. (laughs) You know, we love our metaphors, us writers. (laughs) (laughs) That was fabulous. Uh, Okay. Um, Can the Chunky Method work for any speaker at any stage in their career? I have yet to see someone for, have, for whom it hasn't worked. Right. Um, I think it's really especially effective for someone who's writing their first book because it builds a writing practice that you can grow. When I first started out, when I was writing my first book back in 2000, my chunk was 600 words. Mm. Uh, now it's 1,100 and I do it twice a day. Wow. Um, so I'm producing way more. Not, that didn't happen overnight, but I think... It's, it's a like a muscle effect. that you've developed, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. And um, if you start with all the advantages of knowing the chunky method and how you fit in and what your style is, then you can, you can grow and speed up that much faster. And you can have a great sense of when you've speeded up too much and it's starting to, you know, you're starting to pay for it in either terms of attention or energy or the quality of the words. Right. So, It works for everybody. It works for every kind of content. I've worked with fiction writers. I've worked with memoir writers. I've worked with nonfiction writers. I've worked with blog writers. um, Because it's really, it's not about what the content is. It's about getting the content out of you. Um, And so it also works if you're trying to do your second book and trying to figure out how you shoehorn this writing that you know you have to do into this schedule that's already jam-packed. Yeah. Do you, do you ever think that people try to put too much into one book, like rather than, you know, maybe it's three books really that should be broken down into, into individuals? Um, it, that certainly is something that I've seen happen in speeches. People try mm-hmm. to do too much with a speech. They yep. think that they have to give so much value that it ends up being too much for the audience. You know, I'm actually not an editor. Okay. And I don't pretend to be an editor. I think that's a very particular gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I generally don't do editing with clients. I tell people, my job is to get the book out of you ah. uh, and then take it to an editor and get it. Uh, so I don't often address that question. Right. Um, but it's, you can, if you've got too much content, the much better problem to have is to have too much content that you can now break into three books than not being able to get the words down on paper and not having content that is really, you know, quality and strong and compelling. Gotcha. Let's go back to what you were just talking about, that you have four books on the go at one given time. So I have uh, at 50, what am I, 54? I could be 55. I really can't even remember that. Um, I do not know how you would remember, okay, now where's this book going? What's happening with this character? Like how on earth would your memory even be able to function under those circumstances? Well, um, (laughs) good news is that very frequently they're connected books because I work Uh in category romance. So often I'm writing a series. Oh, and so it's a, it's a sort of a cast of characters that I know well. Okay. Um, occasionally someone will ask me about something and I'll kind of go, which book was he in again? Yes. yes. Um, so, but usually what happens is that I, I sort of know where it's going and I'm not, 
I've gotten to the point where I can wield the chunky method to the point where I am generally not doing the first draft of more than one book at a time. Okay. So one book is being drafted the first time, which is always the most difficult part for me. The okay. second book is being edited. The third book is probably being um, line oh, edited. Oh, different Pop- stages. Okay, now and I'm with you. And then the fourth one is being proposed for the next okay. set. So, um, so no, I'm not actively okay. writing four books at a time. That would require probably more brain cells or three <laughs> of me or something yeah. like that. Definitely wouldn't serve me. Okay, now I get it. Uh, different stages. That makes perfect sense. It, okay. Let's talk about, as a final topic here, uh, the difference between nonfiction writing and fiction writing like you're, you're doing. I actually do both. Yes, you do um, both. I've done, Which most I've done authors, five I don't... nonfiction books, and majority happen to be, happen to be novels. Um, they're, act, they're rather similar in ways that people don't expect, in that I think in order to make a very good nonfiction point, you have to be a bit of a storyteller. I mean, we know that from speaking. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to give examples, even if not from your own life, and you want to be able to tell a story and pull somebody into a concept. So they're more alike than I think we often give them credit for. Um, but there's certainly issues of you've got to be able to have clarity with nonfiction. You've got to have a very strong logical progression of your points through the book. The structure tends to uh, require more attention up front because mm-hmm. you're not peeling a story apart as you go. People always say, how do you get your novel ideas? And the only answer I can ever give, it's another metaphor, uh-huh. is, um, it's like pulling a sweater. If you snag a sweater and you pull it, and then it pulls a little farther, and then it pulls a little farther. That is the closest description I can give you. That's how it works, is it? You don't have the whole idea of what's going to happen in the end in your mind at the beginning of a, of a, uh, a romance novel? Well, I do. And certainly because it's a romance, we all know the end. They end up together happy. Um, Yay! There. <laughs> don't do that. You got a whole lot wrong. Um, yeah. So I do know the over- overarching um, plot of the story. I have to. Category romance is a volume business, so you really have to know what you've got. But how we get there and the little twists and turns along the way, I very rarely know those ahead of time. Okay. And that's kind of the fun for me. That's really interesting. I love uh, just, you know, kind of diving into this. And I think that's, uh, you're so right. When you mention about the stories, uh, people have to remember that in nonfiction, in the how to world, the stories are what help people really wrap their minds around your points, and they're equally as important, don't you think? Yeah, you can't just give them, you know, bullets. <laughs> teaching, um, teaching, It's not a PowerPoint teaching. presentation. <laughs> so, yes, I do believe that there's a lot of storytelling that's involved. Um, in some ways, it is a little easier because... I believe you should know the structure of your book before you get in. I, we do a lot of work in terms of structure and outline when I'm working with nonfiction writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here comes another metaphor. <laughs> it's sort of like a Christmas tree in that once we've got the, the structure and the outline, you, if you know that, then it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to necessarily write in an order. If you've got the idea for, oh, there's, there's how I'm going to write that piece. Then you pick up that ornament and you put it on that part of the tree and you write that chunk. And then another chunk, oh, here, this one goes over here. Mm-hmm. So you free an author, a writer, from having to do it from beginning to end. If they've got an inspiration, if they know that's their chunk and they know the overall, they can kind of, oh, it goes here and it goes here. We literally lay it out like on an office wall. Here's yeah. where it goes. And I, I love post-it notes on an office wall. Yeah. That's so visual, right? Oh, wait a second. 
pick that up and move it over there. Right, that moves it over there. Yeah. <laughs> you introduce someone to that concept in terms of writing and it, it frees them up to, to work with exactly what's in front of them, what the next yeah. thing is. That and next brick. power yeah. in that. That's really good. Well, Allie Plater, uh, people may want to be in touch with you. And what's the best first step? Where should they go to uh, communicate with you about your work? The easiest place is AlliePleiter.com. So Let's that's spell a- that out. A-L-L-I-E-P-L-E-I-T-E-R.com. And there's a coaching tab on there, or there's just a lot about the Chunky Method. You'll, you know, you'll see a lot of novels. <laughs> Because they're all on there. Right. That talks about the books and the speaking and the coaching. Sure. Um, and you can get the Chunky Method um, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Great. Uh, and that's, it comes in an electronic form as well as a paperback. Beautiful. Well, you have provided, and I'm really hoping that people will be inspired to just go and do it. You've got me inspired because now I know I'm a small chunk person, and so I need to get on my calendar small chunks of time where I can go brick by brick and start building my wall. So thank you so much, Allie, for being here with us today. I hope that the chunky method, or at least the concepts of it, Make it feel doable and possible. And um, I love it when that light bulb goes, I can get there from here. That light bulb goes off for a speaker or writer. That's just the moment that just makes me sing. I love it. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wealthy Speaker Podcast listeners, uh, this is what we're here to do. It's to help you be inspired, to offer you up tips and ideas and solutions so that you can move your speaking business forward. And with that, we will say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speakers Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free wealthy speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.